Welcome to the Broad Talk with your hosts, Dan and James. Welcome to Grog Talk, episode 13, if uh-huh. I recall. This is a, it could be a lucky or unlucky. We shouldn't skip it. Well, go to 14. I, you know, I almost did because I forgot what episode. Because we took a quick hiatus, took a couple weeks off. Um, so some people on the podcast would have not only noticed uh, one week, but the live stream was a couple weeks You know, for our multi-list viewers out there. We had some comments, disappointment. But, um, yeah, we did have some folks who were uh, very... Very happy. We did get a comment. Um, yeah. Yeah. Some people were happy we took a hiatus, in my understanding, too. Is that right? <laughs> that's, that's right. Are you coming back? Why did you... Why did you... Uh, are you coming back? You don't need to come back. That's right. fine. We're good with that. Um, see, we're live now. And... Uh, yeah, I'm looking for the... Comment. The, the comment. Yeah, you know things are going well when you're looking for quotes. That comment. Well, you know, it's interesting because I was looking for because I thought we had it uh, there, but um, it was a good comment. They what said after 15 minutes, we're we're ho- I'm hooked. Really? That's that's what they said. So I thought that was pretty good. That's very nice of them. If they are, they're being completely hidden. So I tell you, that was amazing. Oh wow. No. <laughs> That's too, that's now I'm disappointed, but um, I don't know where it is. So anyhow, uh, it was it was that was I thought that was really nice that uh, someone would take time to tell us how good we're doing. I think that's pretty awesome. So what are we going to talk about today? Do you recall what we're going to talk about today? Uh, my understanding is we're going to be talking about. Venturing at different levels, mm-hmm. some of the differences that you have, other than the obvious difference that you have different levels. Yeah. And also different styles of game, high fantasy, low fantasy. There's so many different genres. You know, it's like, you know, heavy metal with all these different genres. Oh, yes. Now. I know this is, this is a kind of a pet peeve of yours. Is it? Well... Because the the nuances, I thought, not a pet yeah. peeve. It's, we talked about that, the different, what, you know, why is there really multiple versions of... Heavy metal, thrash metal, right? That was very the old confusing. days. Doom, very confusing. Doom metal, new metal, hardcore metal. Can't we just all get along? And then, uh, so we'll talk about the differences between different styles of games, high fantasy, low fantasy. Yep. You know, so, yeah. All right. So uh, in our, actually, let's do a quick word of recall. Word of recall, recall, You're starting up a one-shot. You know, some of our listeners were concerned. They had a... You know, we're going to have an intervention with you because you hadn't been playing. You hadn't started the game, so. <laughs> what would that be like? A, a D&D intervention. That's right. Because yeah. usually, don't you have to have an intervention when they're playing too much? Right. You've got to stop. That's what you were, the family members. Right. Well, we were stopping you from becoming what you were before. You left, you had your hiatus for 29 years, and you were slipping back into those bad habits. You're actually enlightened now. That could happen at any time. I could go into another 29-year hibernation. Right. And that would be so... <laughs> that's the intervention. I'd be turning like 80. Yeah, it's not sobriety. It's anti-sobriety. That's true, because, yeah, you know, when I was 80, by the time I'm 80, I might not be able to play anymore. Well, and that's what we're worried about. We don't want that to happen where you're... Uh, you guys are really good friends. So they were concerned. So you're, can you just... Um, 
So you're moving to one shots now to prepare for GrogCon? Is that the, the thought? <laughs> An explanation of what's going on right. is in order. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like this is the intervention. Well, it's part of it. Yeah. <laughs> Be sure to ask Dan about. Um, well, we should mention the grog line, right? Well, what I, we'll see if people are going to call because if they, yeah. if you call 407 476 6779, you can intervene in Dan's yeah. behalf. If you want to know what the heck's going on in me, you got to call. That's I'm okay. not talking. Oh. Somebody calls. Okay. Well, then you'll find out. All right. And then. let me tell you, there's a lot to find out. What I would tell you would blow your mind. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. But I, I am, it is true, I am doing a one shot. Well, considering the fact that the phone will not ring, I'll go ahead and just. Okay. I'll just start, start talking. So, well. I think running running a campaign is very time consuming. You know, I think there's probably a high burnout rate for Dan, don't you think? Yes. And uh, you answered that so quickly. Oh no, it's not. <laughs> what do you want to talk about? That's right. You got something about. So um, I don't know. I'm I'm liking the idea of some one shots periodically. Uh, I think the nice thing about that is that players are not going to be invested in their character. Your character dies. Who cares? Big right. deal. It was just a piece of paper. And the nice thing about the one shot is that you get to jump around uh, and do different levels. We'll be talking about different levels. Right, tiers of play. Yep. That's why I wanted to bring it up. Yep. You get to do different tiers of play. And uh, the, the only difficulty with one shots, I think, is finding adventures that are suitable length. One of my, we should have a pet peeve. We should have, you know, kind of like what Festivus had or something. We mm -hmm. should have some the, uh, sort of. Airing of the grievances. Exactly. Why do we always have, I, mean, I think we need to change the tone of this thing. You know, so well, we did. So we did. We were going to trash one E. Remember, you well, that was you wanted to do two weeks ago. We were saying how terrible one E was, and before my recent mini hibernation. That's right. I think that uh, yeah, we should have area grievances. So because one of the things, one of my pet peeves, is that adventures are oftentimes I think too long. Yeah. I mean, I open up an adventure, I see 120 rooms. We've talked about this before. That's great if I'm playing every day. But if I'm playing once every two weeks and I see 120, I mean, you know this, it takes a group, it, it's an, an evening is going through 10 rooms. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know what the average is, but ten, it seems like- 10 would be excessive. I mean, it's usually five or six. Right? So if you see, so what, you see 100 rooms, you know you're not gonna be able to be done with it. And I see this happen at conventions a lot of times too, where people run these adventures, these modules that I know going in, because I'm somewhat familiar with them, have a massive amount of rooms. So uh, one of the nice things about the one shot though, uh, or one of the difficult things, I mean, is then finding suitable adventures. So right. I'm going to be running something from Dragon Magazine because okay. you know, those are quote plus mini modules. Mini yeah, and I and I, uh, thanks to one of our folks, I scored a bunch of Dragon Magazine, so you maybe you can peruse some of them too. Yeah, you got to those before yes. I did. See, there's stuff down here and down here. That's fantastic. Yeah, Ooh, so sorry. Th those are the extra ones. I almost took off the. Uh, those are some of the prizes for our June tournament. We're having a, a June tournament as well, so. You know, I bought one of these, Harn. You know, I oh, bought yeah. one of the Harn modules because huh. I was always So we're looking at Dragon, about which it. number are you looking at? I really shouldn't touch it. It's about to fall apart. That's okay. 70, oh, you know what's in 78? Yeah, I know exactly what's in 78. We got, what's in 78? Citadel by the Sea. Citadel by the Sea. That's, That's why when you when you ran, I'm like, uh, okay, I'll just be quiet for a while because I knew. I we knew. were way too nice to you guys. We let you oh, yeah. leave. We, we should, let you leave. You, we should, you should have left. That should have been it. Yeah, there's Chrome. There's uh, Chromar. There's, there's the, the main bad guy. Yeah, Chromar's yeah. there too. So Chromar's there too. Oh, yeah, Chromar's 
Yeah, he's being held there. Yeah, Citadel by the Sea. It's a great module. Yeah, that was a good adventure. That was fun. That may be our, one of our suggestions, Citadel by the Sea. Oh, man, I'll let that be the time I make that much okay. suggestion. I That's very suggestion. good. That's good. Perfect. So you just, what I love about your place here is you just turn around and grab, and right. something cool is and coming it, out. And you touch third edition. I'm just saying. <laughs> It burns. <laughs> it burns. There's a lot of good stuff. Yeah, you should do, um, you know, people do now, they call them shelfies. Are you oh, familiar yeah? with the phrase no. shelfie? No, I'm not. I think a lot of war gamers do that now. Hmm. Um, yeah, a shelfie is you take a picture of your shelf and you post it online. Oh, okay. You know, to how cool. And this is, you know. It's, it's a decent amount. Some of the stuff is, I mean, it's original. That's the thing. They, they are. Oh, yeah, you can tell. You have to go right back here. So. Yeah. But, um, so that's kind of why I thought about talking about tiers of play because, you know, um, if you move towards, as opposed from a traditional campaign, when you start at level one and you go to whatever level, the either, you know, most campaigns die, uh, they normally don't have a natural, die of natural causes. I mean, they don't die, they don't ever get right. killed off. They die of natural causes, either disinterest or there's typically not a total party kill, <clears throat> except in Dan's game. Uh, <laughs> But typically, it's a um, people just peter out. It's just either people start playing, the DM burns out, people are just, you know, right. or two or three sessions go by where no one plays, and all of a sudden they say, oh, we right. should probably start this over again. And you have the opposite problem. I do Your have. It keeps growing. I do have no the opposite leaves. problem. No one leaves. Yeah, we're at 12 <laughs> players again. 12. It's crazy. That's with another group forming. Yeah, with another group. Oh, yes. they, just, they just doubled up. Hold on. They just joined the other group, too. So. Yeah, we have 12. And so, I, 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 and that's one of the things I am thinking about is at some point you got to end the thing because, you know, I'm, and that's part, first thing you got to talk about your expectations with your players because some of them may be like, I don't, we want to keep playing to our level 50 and I don't, I'm not interested in that. So there'll be a natural end, but I don't know when it's going to be. But I think, you know, I think you want to have that conversation with your party, which is how do you want this to end? Because I think there may be some people that like, yeah, we want it to end like, you know, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, right? <laughs> right? Or there may be others that want it to end where they retire. Well, we have an epic, There, you know, there's there, on the campaign I'm running, there is a time clock basically for some cataclysmic event. So there could be a natural ending there and there'll be some epic things. Um, but I know some of them would want to keep playing because, again, it's back to what we were talking about a number of It's this nostalgia that we may or may have not had, which is this idea of why can't we be like Elminster and Tensor or one of these folk, you know, these games that we've heard about that they've run till, you know, level 20, level 18, right. epic level of play. And the problem is, you, you know, you just if, if you play normally I, without Monty Hall or this, that, and you played every week, it would take five years my guess, to get to that high, highest level every week, assuming no one died. Because, wow. because we've, we've seen, you know, just in our role-playing here, experience points are kind of hard to come by. And when you've looked at some epic modules like Tumahars, like this or that, yeah, they give out lots of gold, but you need lots of experience to go up levels. You know, Magic user needs 375,000 experience points once they get past 12th or 13th level. Yeah. And you have a party of five, you're talking about a million experience points before they can go up a level. Yeah, I want to ask you a question about higher level play. Because what, what what level are the characters in your group at now, roughly? So they float between sixth and eighth level. Okay. 
So we're, they're to me, they're crossing tiers, and we can. But what's your question? So do you find so when you know I'm more familiar with the lower level? Right. I mean, it's been I my character made pretty high level. I think my my illusionist character back in the day, uh, my friend Edward, I he remembers my life better than I do. He tells me that uh, my illusionist made it to around twelfth level or something right. like that. But um, certainly more recently, I'm familiar with low level play. Is when you reach a, a mid range, is it less likely there's going to be a TPK because if you're starting to take damage, you can get out of there. Yeah. So, you know, my understanding, you know, my experience with the lower level is, you know, a single blow or two and it's over. So is it is it easier to avoid a TPK? Right. I, I, yes, absolutely. Unless, you know, they're, unless the dungeon master is really looking for that um, and sets up, you know, a TPK comes, usually it's a series of misfortunate Events, right? That they are that the players have made a choice, and the dungeon master has decided that this is there is no recourse for it. So when you when we had the thing in your game, you you made the decision that the illusionist at the end, fourteenth level, would uh, yeah, not not written by me, right? Ah, the old not written by me, yeah. almost as bad as I'm just playing my character, but. <laughs> You, but that's part how how campaigns die, right? It's the same thing. It's it's when the dungeon the game ends when the dungeon master decides it's going to end, and and there's two ways: either you're burnt out, or this is what would happen. You know, the, the module says, or I've written this that the if the players do this and that, this is what's going to happen, and you're not going to change your mind. You're going to let the chips fall where they yeah. may. Well, the unfortunate thing on that one, and uh, is so not that. People really care that much about this. But there was a bad die roll for you guys, of course, too, because I think the uh, illusionist did a color spray. I think a high-level illusionist, you know, if the high-level illusionist doesn't get the party on that first round, say that surprise round or whatever, right. then, you know, the illusionist is going to be in some trouble because the illusionist, even at 14th level, doesn't have that many hit points. Yeah. You've got six characters. It rolled, I think, a six on the roll for how many uh, players were affected by the color spray, and, and we were damaged. And it really, but again, we had done some kind of dumb things. Some players killed themselves because they touched the artifact, and there was some yeah. fighting. So it, again, a series yeah. of things, and, and, and sort of forgot about the illusion. I think, right. sort of forgot about the illusion. Who so had sent you in there, right? I mean, at the beginning. Well, we I was had, there at the beginning. Well, there was a discussion about go getting it, but we didn't really. We thought it was a trap that didn't really have some power behind it, like it was an old trap that was on there. So yeah. again. A bunch of things had to happen in order for that TPK to happen. And we should mention, most of our viewers probably know this, but it was something I didn't know when I started playing again, TPK referring to total party Total party, yes, right. When every player character, the, the, and, and you know that's the beauty of D&D. &D. The game doesn't have to end. You can still keep all your setting. It's, it's really a TPK when you retire. It's the same thing. The, the party is dead because the characters have retired or moved on, and you can still stay in the world that you've created. I don't think I would change the world because I've put time into it, but you know, if the players retired, there was the epic battle, and some survived, some didn't. They would, you know, part of the, I think the old school way is that these characters would retire. That's, that's baked in the rules. Right. That you, become, you, pull, you get land, you get buildings, and then... You build new characters, and now these these player characters are part of the world. And um, so, uh, you know, to answer your question, I think it's you know there's less resources for players to get out of a jam. Whereas, like when we played uh, Vic's game back in December, the my my uh, pre-rolled character had teleport. So there, if the only reason there would be a TPK is if I decided not to escape, I could have 
pulled the ripcord at any point and right. teleported away. In fact, I think I did at some point. So, um, yeah, you left my character behind. Yeah, something it was like that. Enslaved in the uh, yeah. yeah, but we didn't have a TPK. Right. That was the goal. We weren't going to give Vic the satisfaction of wiping us all That's out. Our <laughs> That's right. Yeah, just to be clear, we're talking about Vic Dorso yeah. from, uh, but he's uh, from Minneapolis. And so, yeah, that's the standard. In a, in a Vic, when you go into a Vic game, right. your standard is not is not to like kill the baddie, right. get the treasure. It's just not to die. As a matter of fact, you might as well just not play. Well, that's or it. just enter, just put one foot in the dungeon, right. and then step out. Yeah, because declare victory. You, it's what is that? You know, it's any kind of fear challenge. You you got to do enough to that people won't say you, you you know you're a coward. But the whole goal is looking for the exit the whole time. So, um, you know, tier play, you know, I kind of look at it as the modules. When you bought pre-gen modules, um, you know, if you look behind you, uh, we're going to kind of back up here. Yeah, here. so let's grab a few of these. Oh, yeah. So you got oh. tier, different tiers of play here. Oh, look at this. Is this Molde right there? Yeah. Right. Oh, look at that. So um, oh. I, do, I don't have one of everything yet. Is uh, so you, you start with beginning levels. Here you go, sir. Nice. nice. So for me, tier one is typically one to three. Well, that's the highest. That's one of the higher tiers. But yep, we're... Yeah. Um, so your village of Hamlet, your curse uh, of the reptile god, um, uh, keep on Borderlands, which is a basic game. Those are from... Are, are, are one to three. And those are typically considered tier one. Tier two is typically four to seven. So all the Slaver series, um, A1 through A4, and Dan's showing A4 out on the screen. And uh, I think I1 is also one, is, oh, no, yeah, four to seven. And this is where, you know, um, that's kind of mid-level, or kind of intermediate. Then mid-level is eight to 12. And uh, eight to 12 would be... Um, the Giant series is 8 to 12, G1, G2, G3, I don't have that here with me. Um, and then typically the, what, the highest level that I think most of the purchase modules, at least back in the original, was 10 to 14, like Vault of the Drow, uh, yeah, D3, and Q1, which was Queen of the Demon Web Pips. And then there's, of course, Beyond That, which is kind of this, the, the, the fifth tier, which is the epic tier. You know, Some call it uh, epic play. Um, because when you look in the player's handbook and the Dungeon Master's Guide, clearly the, the experience tables go level 20 and above. Um, so I'm sure there are campaigns. I don't think we ever went legitimately from 1 to you know 15 or 20. Mm -hmm. um, I think most of the time you got to the third tier of 8 to 12 or something like that, and then some cataclysmic event happened, and then you kind of moved on to another thing. So the the... You know, like you said, most people are very familiar with one to three. So, what are the what are the characteristics when you think of one to three tier? What's what's some of the features of a, a, a tier one play that? What do you like about tier one play, and what uh, what are the disadvantages from your perspective? Well, I, I like tier one through three, level one through three, quite well. It's it's my favorite. I, I think there's a lot of players who don't like it, and so I can comment on on why I think players don't like it. I like level one to three because I like the, I think the danger yeah. you know, really increases for the characters, which is why I asked you about the possibility of a total party kill at higher levels. 
I like the idea that you've got to be very worried about a goblin or two goblins, as, as we certainly, as you might recall from Adventures of uh, Glade. Right. And, and uh, That's right, Pixie. Pixie and Glade. Oh, is that the line? No, it's, it's a, an alarm. Why is my alarm going off? I know we get so excited. That's awful, isn't it? No, it's my phone's oh, going off. I thought that was the grog line. The grog line. I should have just pretended it was and picked it up. <laughs> I miss an opportunity. I'm not fast enough. Not quick enough. We're going to have to do that next time. We're just going to have to set our alarm. We're going to have to call Right. Hello, Gargalon. Yeah, yes. Hello. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, yeah. Luke yeah. Gygax. Yeah. Hello. Yes. yes uh, have on the phone. Hold on. Where did James go? Yes. Hello. I'm, yes, I'm Luke Gygax. Exactly. Yes, Mr. Colwell, thank you. Um, you're a big fan, are you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We're not available to be on your show <laughs> next week. I'm sorry. We're, we're too busy. Too busy. So um, I like I like level one, two, three a lot. Um, like I said, because of the uh, the risk involved. Um, you talked about the resources uh, in in prior podcasts about how you know do I have and you know enough resources and you know you can't just buy everything you want. You've got to make choices, and that just that's sort of how I remember. First edition. Um, I think once it gets higher level, it, it loses that. Um, I think what players don't like typically about the lower level, though, is you know there's a lot of players who they get a little tired of having to always worry about a goblin or two and possibly dying. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you know they get attached to their characters, even if they've only had the characters for a session or two sessions. They are attached to the character, and right. they don't like that idea that it's very easy for the character to die. So, um, I think I think that's you know that's the pros and cons of low level, and and particularly for in first edition. For magic users in particular, yeah. it's really tough because right. not only do you have very few hit points. I mean, if you roll hit points uh, at first level, you could have very low. I mean, you could be a fighter with just a couple hit points. You technically could be a fighter with one hit point. You could. You could, yeah, if you don't have a combat. Or a ranger with three hit points. That's right. I think we did. We have a ranger. Yes. We had a ranger with three and hit he points. He died horribly. Right. And uh, so it, it's, I think it's a little tough to have so few hit points. And if you're a magic user, not only do you have very few hit points, I mean, best case scenario, you probably have four. I mean, you probably don't have a con bonus as a magic user. Right. And then you have very few spells, right? A magic user at first level gets, what, one spell per day? Yeah. And they, roll, they get three spells in their spell book, right? Or four if you Plus count read magic. magic. So they have four spells and only one per day, they're not doing a lot. I mean, at first level, the magic user is typically standing outside of the melee. They're, you know, they're going to do maybe, you know, if they're lucky, they dig a, they have magic missiles. Right. They, as we've shown, they may get uh, push yeah, as their offensive spell. That's right. You're supposed to roll. And even if you do roll it, I think, and I know there's some debate about this, and I recall the rules are not all that clear on that, is whether then you're supposed to roll even for those first ones or not, right? But, you, you know, so you may, you may be unable to learn Magic Missile, and right, never have it then. That's right. You roll for sleep, and you can't have it. I say you can't have it. Uh, and so I think that's, that's tough. And, oh, and Thieves at low level. All of a sudden, I'm starting to come up with a lot of them. They're right. starting to roll in now. Thieves at low level are horrible. Right. The, the percentage chance of doing anything, I mean, right. the percentage chance of actually finding a trap is, is so low. Right. You just assume that they're not going to find the trap. And, you know, that's the problem, too, is if you have, if you have a dungeon laden with traps at low level, that can be really deadly. And yeah. I don't think that's a lot of fun. I, I would keep out a lot of traps at low level, i got to tell you. 
But so that, that's what I think. That, those are pros and cons that I see. Yeah, and I think, you know, I almost split up tier one into first level play, the first adventure, and then once they made it to second level, because the survivability, I think, I don't know if it's exponential, but it certainly increases dramatically when you, once you've gone from first to second level. Yeah. A fighter with 10 hit points at second level or 12 hit points is, is way more sturdy than a fighter with five hit points. Let's say, let's say you roll bad, you have four hit points, and you have a con bonus, you have five hit points. Any blow can take you down, in theory. Whereas once you get over the 10 hit point threshold, you can take two shots. Um, so the, that ability to, take, to absorb more damage. Um, so for me, that first adventure is challenging. You know, we're in, in the game I'm playing in, um, you know, someone died. And again, he would have died regardless of the tier because he, he failed his saving throw versus poison. Um, but combat is extremely deadly because you don't have that many hit points. One hit point could take right. you, you know, one hit could take you down. So getting through tier, the first adventure and getting enough experience points to become second level is a huge thing. But um, you know, you can you can create games in tier one that are very gritty. They're very real, quote unquote, realistic. Open air quotes. The um, you know where food is important and light is important and it, breathing is important. All these realistic things. Uh, it can be a very low level, low magic. It's easy to control the encounters at least from a um, power level because you know one of the challenges with all games, and that's why I think additions come out is that. You have to increase the level of challenge, which is, you know, when you're going back to your question about TPK, it's harder to do a TPK in some ways, but it can be very easy to do a TPK at higher levels because you want to challenge your players. And you set up the, the encounter before you know this, the situation that the players are in. So if I put a dragon here, which I think, oh, they are, they'll, they will chat, this will be a challenge, but they'll have no problem because they have, they have fireball, they have this, they have that, they have weapons attacks. Well, you're assuming they're fully at hit points. They're not being chased by something else. Um, they're going to use their. They're going to attack optimally. Well, when you put that all together, uh, there's that situation. The, the party runs into a room. They're all weakened because they're being chased by something else, and they get blasted by the you know the breath weapon of the dragon, and now they're all dead, or they're pretty close to being dead. Um, and, and again, that's why I think a, a TPK is a dungeon master decision, at least as far as. I'm going to allow it to happen. Not that it's going to happen, but I'm going to allow it to happen. You know, you, you can see, um, like we were talking about in your game or any game, this, this dragon scenario, the dragon sitting there, you know it's going to be there. They fought some, something else, and now they're, they're running towards that. You, at some point, you make the decision, am I going to allow this to happen? And, and I would say yes, because that's what should happen. But some players, you know, or, you know, um, or I'm going to say yes, but you know, if some survive, then I'm not just going to have the goblins or orcs that are chasing them kill them. They'll be captured. So tier one is a lot easier from a, you can throw a lot of monsters. You can have bad guys that hopefully they realize they shouldn't attack, you know, especially older players or players that have played a while. You know, if you show them a, a vampire, you know, like, like the other <laughs> adventure, yeah. you know, hopefully people, if they're first level, realize, oh, they're way beyond our part. If you want to, like, introduce the big bad guy and have him say something nefarious but then escape, you don't have to worry about the players trying to attack them because they would hopefully realize they're way past their thing. So, um, you know, the tier one is, is um, 
And it's also interesting, I think the downside to it is people don't know their character yet. There's really, there, at least in first edition, the way Dan and I look at character development is you roll the dice, you get stats, you figure out what the class is, and then you figure out what your backstory and your character is as you play the game. You don't come up with this huge backstory of who you are and everything else, and then, you know, if you were that interesting, why are you adventuring? The mm -hmm. idea is you become interesting. Your story is being written as you do it. So the, the characters tend to be very generic, um, and, and uh, it's kind of like the first season of any good show. They're still trying to figure each other out. It's the pilot. It's the pilot, yeah. <laughs> and, you, you know, you don't get that really... Uh, there's there's no stories behind me. There's nothing epic about them. We're not sure there's going to be another episode. Right. <laughs> I'll do a big backstory when I know that we've been picked up for another season. Right. And, and some of the people they may not survive. You know, is this guy red? Who's who's the red shirt in this group? You know, someone's going to be. Someone's. You know, if you got a first edition DM, someone's going to die. Oh, is it, you know the old saying: mm. if you don't know who the red shirt is, it's you. <laughs> That's right. Look left and right. If you don't see a red shirt, you're the red shirt. So. Um, you know, tier one is—I uh, I prefer tier one because there's a lot more choices. You can do a lot of things, um, but for some player characters, the classes—they are—they don't get to do a lot of things because they're just so inadequate. Well, you know, not surprisingly, some players don't like sucking. Right. And you pretty much suck at first level. Fighter is—you know—ranger is the—you know—if you, know, you yeah. want to—if you want to enjoy your first tier experience, you have to be uh, a ranger. If you roll, uh, but you need to roll more than three hit points. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and now, you know, I would invoke the Gygax rule in Player's Handbook, which says, you know, your character should have at least two 15s, so. Well, right. Uh, I believe that was saying, you're in, was Gygax saying you're in trouble if you don't? Is it, or is he saying you, you, you need, like, you know, is he just sort of like a warning? Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, this, and again, it's that whole thing we talked about when we were rolling. Um, it, furthermore, it is, it's usually essential to the character's survival to be exceptional with a rating of 15 and above in no fewer than two ability characteristics. Yeah. So, you know, I think, and, there's, and that's a style of play too, which we'll talk about, which is, you know, let the, let the dice roll where they may. I don't have a problem with it, but I, I hope the dungeon master then is adjusting. If you're going to have average characters, then you have to have average modules. And that's where I think, uh, going back to my idea of additions, what happens is, if characters, if players try to optimize and then they're super powerful, then you have to put more powerful uh, creatures. Then players get frustrated. Then they want new abilities. And so in order to sell more books, the, the game comes out with more abilities, like Unearth Arcana came out. And it, you know, the whole specialization is very cool for players, but it changes the dynamic of, of the monsters. You know, an orc which used to be, you probably need two hits to kill it. Now, you, you know, one round, you're wiping one out. So the power level increases. The fighter, you know, that's why when you ask me, uh, we've got seventh level fighters, but they attack twice per round. You, in, in first edition pre-Unearth Arcana, you have to be like 13th level to do that, I, 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 uh, to get two, two attacks per round. Yeah. So even, and so really they're seventh level, but they're more like ninth or 10th level plus because they attack twice per round, and once you get above ninth level, you're not getting a lot of hit points. You're only getting three hit points per round. You're not rolling the dice anymore. So yeah. from a fighter perspective, a, a ninth level fighter who attacks three per two, or a seventh level fighter who attacks two per round because he's specializing a weapon, I'd rather be the seventh level fighter who attacks twice per round uh, because 
that 10 more hit points is not going to make a whole bunch of a difference and a little bit better attack matrix. So anyway, um, you know, so to me, th those are, uh, that's what makes tier one interesting is that you, you can control a lot of things. But same thing, there's, there, you can control the environment, there's a lot more cool things you can throw at it, you can have really powerful magic that's powerful, um, and the players uh, can experience it, but you have to be very careful. Then you have the second tier, uh, which is your four through seven, which is, the, you know, if you buy modules from back in the day, the vast majority of the modules were written from four through seven. The Slaver series, the I series, um, C series, they're all, uh, I think they even mean I is intermediate. I forgot what uh, A, uh, they're all, they, I think they had um, definitions, but, you know, we have yeah, Dwellers did. of the Forbidden City, so this is four through seven. Um, so what's, what are the, what are the um, things that you recall from the advantages of, of mid-tier, well, sort of low mid-tier? Well, so one of the advantages is you now have a, a range, a much greater range of monsters that you can go up against. So, you know, I think one of the challenges, so I said to you, all right, James, I want you to write an adventure level one to three, a homebrew adventure. You know, you're going to have, you know, if you open up the monster manual, you're talking what orcs, hobgoblins? Can be pretty limited, right. um, and a lot of the quote, cooler monsters you may not be able to use. And so, I, when, once you start hitting levels four through seven in that range, I think it really opens up a lot more possibilities for the dungeon master to include more interesting monsters, the yep. players to encounter them. Uh, I think uh, you know, going back to the spell issue, you know, the spells become uh, a, a lot nicer. Not only are you using more spells per day, but you've got more choices. Uh, and so uh, spell casting, I think, it becomes, you know, it's, it's tough to be a first level cleric. I mean, the nice thing about a first level cleric, and I'm going back to lower level, but is that you get spell bonuses. And I think that's one of the beasts a lot of people have is that in first edition, I don't know how it works in other editions, but the magic user didn't get spell bonuses for high intelligence, whereas a cleric gets a spell bonus for wisdom. And druids are fantastic, because right. druids, I believe, you know, there was some, it was unclear whether or not druids got a spell bonus, and I believe, I don't know if it was in an errata or a sage device or whatever, it was clarified that druids do get the wisdom they're, spell. They're clerics, and, and I've always ruled it that way. Right, and I think now my understanding is that, that, that that's the way it is supposed to be. And druids get nice amount of spells, don't they? Like and two they, at first level. They uh, they accelerate much faster. Yeah. Uh, in the spell acquisition, because again, they're, in the first edition rules, they're only supposed to go to level fourteen. Um, so they went up faster. But right, a their first level spells are technically not that great, but they do get two of them. And if they had their wisdom bonus, they could have four first level spells. And um, the bad part is they can't cure at first level. Right. And 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 but and that's, second level they can. And that's right. And that's and that's four. Spells per day, yep. and they can, of course, like a cleric, right, can choose any spell they can they want. Unlike right. a magic user who's really limited, it's just what's in your spell book, what you rolled, and then it's just one and no per day and no intelligence bonus. So the nice thing about levels four through seven, particularly if you are a magic user, is that you now are really starting to become right. more powerful. And I think that was the idea, wasn't it? That magic users are going to start out really weak. But then ultimately, you're going to become the, terrible, the most but powerful. The, but that's how it was. Yeah. Is that right? And, and has that been your experience when right. magic users hit that level four and higher? Do they all of a sudden now start becoming much more of a force in the party than at low level? I, I think uh, yes. Uh, they 
if you have a low-level magic user who has a powerful spell, like sleep. Sleep is you know, yes. the most powerful spell yeah. uh, for low-tier play. It's a game-changer. You know, just like turning undead, um, those are the two things that, you know, you, and that's one of the big challenges when you write an encounter. You know, and you look at Keep Along the Borderlands, right? You, you ran that when it was your first uh, mm-hmm. thing coming back. There's 20 orcs, there's 30 goblins, you know, if they all attack at the same time, they would kill everyone. Well, the only way you can survive that is if you use a sleep spell. So if the magic user has a sleep spell, then they're basically this artillery that kind of sits in the back and everyone kind of looks, is this the time we're going to use sleep? And they apply their nuclear bomb and then, you know, they drop that bomb and then they go, oh, I guess we're going to have to rest or we're going to have to be very careful. So, you know, fifth level magic user is the magic you know, that's the golden time because then they can acquire third level spells. And now they have fireball, potentially, they have lightning bolt, they have slow, they have haste. Those are, you know, that goes from, you know, imagine, so a fighter, you're fighting 10 gnolls, which are two hit dice. They have 10 hit points, um, plus or minus. You have a good fighter, he's, he's, he's fifth level. It will take him 15 rounds probably, plus or minus, to wade through these ones, assuming he survives. A magic fifth-level magic user kills them all with one fireball. Yeah, yeah. Most likely. Yeah, Because yeah. five hit, if he, if he rolls average, that's uh, 17.5, or if he rolls a little bit higher, 20, even if they save, they're all dead. Yeah, I so at uh, GaryCon, I played a, I like to play clerics, and I played a cleric, and you know, it was uh, I was a fairly high level cleric, and so I wasn't familiar with the spells. I've sort of, you know, when I first started playing again, I'd go to these conventions, and I had to play a spellcaster that I wasn't familiar with. You know, the higher level spells. I was very nervous about it because you got to quickly read the spells. And now I'm not so concerned about it. I just sort of, you know, I'm just like whatever. Let me read up on well, these. Apparently, because when you played on ours, you're not too concerned about the spells. That's right. You just kind of pick random ones, which is cool. Oh yeah, when I ran a cleric, that's true. When I did play a cleric, I decided to randomly roll what I was gonna. Well, I really enjoy. I enjoy making. So you know, you joke about the push spell. I enjoy. I'm not even familiar with, but I can figure out sort of. I guess I push stuff, right? I mean, magically yes. push stuff. You know, I don't know. Can I push somebody off a cliff with no. it? No. Oh, that's, I, I, that stinks. Yeah. Ooh. I, I th- well, yeah, again, that's we're not going to trash first edition. I like. I'm I, looking it up. Go ahead, keep going. I like. I like trying to figure out interesting ways to use spells. Um, so, yeah, this is a first level spell. So sleep is a first level spell. You can knock out and then slaughter. An ogre, potentially, 50-50 chance, or a bugbear, or 16 kobolds up to that. Yeah, and there's no save, right? It's all based upon the level of the victim is how many you can affect, but there's no save. save. Here's what Push does. Upon pronouncing the syllables of the spell, the magic user causes invisible force to strike against whatever object he or she is pointing at. The force of the push is not great, being one foot-pound per level of the magic user casting the spell. But it can move small objects up to one you know, basically 10 feet in the direction away from the caster. That's what it can do. So I'm like basically like I'm like a guy who'd work at a carnival. And right. I'd be like, behold, see this pencil. Yes. And the pencil would roll. Yes. And I'm not touching it. Yeah, that's terrible. Right. So an example, the ladder is causing a creature to lose its balance. But you, you in order to do that, uh, a first-level character can effectively 
push a creature weighing more than 50, cannot effectively push a creature weighing more than 50 pounds. So I need like a, a halfling child? Right, a halfling zygote. It's I, not even a child, it's pre-born. Pre so that I could push off of a cliff. Right, if yeah. it was standing literally at the edge of the Right, cliff. yeah, right, yeah. like teetering. Right, and, and has, there's a saving throw. And then it fails a saving throw, then it goes over. Yeah. Okay. So you have sleep, which can kill, you know, put knockout for five minutes, and then you have push, which is like... It's, it's like worse than a... Can I have a cantrip instead? Well, you have it's worse, mending. It's mending worse than a cantrip. That's right. Mending. There's a few horrible things. So. Yeah, but you know what's great about mending? Is the mending... If you're going to have the mending spell, this, this isn't this screaming out for the fact that, like, the DM should be like, okay, like, your stuff is ripped now. Yeah. And you need to buy new stuff. And you're like, I don't have any gold. Right, but I have mending, which probably, uh, probably the spell component is 10 gold pieces. I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> it requires a small gem. <laughs> that has to be crushed. At the exactly. Up with 100 gold pieces. Right. But what? So I was playing this high level cleric, and, you know, I didn't know. I had a flame strike. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That thing's awesome, right? right? I mean, so I had a good time, right? I mean, casting flame strike. I mean, so basically, it's the cleric fireball, is my yes. understanding, right? Well, the column of flame, yeah, absolutely. right. So last one person, yeah, it's a good stuff. So it was, yeah. I think I, I think I killed the giant or something like that. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, you can get, you can do a lot of damn blade barrier, but those are, you know, at, at higher tiers because uh, flame strikes. I've, I've, I've moved beyond the four to seven. Have I? Yes. Can't what level? Yeah. I was, you, yeah. You'd have to be ninth level if I. That was pretty high level, Clark. Yeah. So, but four to seven, you know, your your parties can uh, endure a bunch of things. Mm -hmm. They have more capabilities. They typically have acquired some magic items, so they they're not in this position of, um, you know, not having resources. Uh, you know, they have magic. Typically, everyone has one or two magic items, and they've acquired things. So they their capabilities. Or have expanded greatly. Can we talk about magic items? Yes. Real quickly. Because that's part of the tier. I mean, tier one, you don't have anything, and finding a plus one sword is uh, oh. a great. I wanted to ask you about that. So two questions for you. Number one, do you play magic items by the book where you have to have, you don't tell the players what it is, and that, that can get hard because if you've got players who have, if you're using Thaco, mm -hmm. right, and, and, and you're, you know, you're letting them know, let's say, what the AC is to make things easy, then, of course, it doesn't get hard to figure out with a particular role at some point that it's a plus one sword. So do you tell them or do you acquire them to use identify? And number two, I'd like to know if you make a big deal out of, say, a plus one sword. So when I first started... The Borderlands, I don't know if you remember this, because I know you came in a little bit later. I did come in later. When there was a magic item, I'd give out a little card right. that was laminated or something like that, which, you know, if it was a, you know, when it was a magical sword, you know, it gave a little bit of the background, you know, there's runes on it, and it was used in the, you know, if it was identified, it was used in the, or, you know, I tried it, you know, it was a little bit like Lord of the Rings, where, right. you know, it was a big deal that this yeah. magical, it wasn't just... I think a lot of times... Generic plus one Oh, it's a plus one sword, and that's all the player character cares about. It's got a little history. So I, I'd be interested on your take on those two things. So what I would like to do versus what I do. Yeah, which so, is a lot. That, that's, a, that's an entire podcast, isn't it? Yes. This, that title. That's yeah. right. What I'd like to do, like to do versus what I do. Um, and that goes back to the type of play. I think typically the players that we play with, the tournament players, these type of the people who are there... It's very hard because you have no history of it. You know, right. what made Sting interesting is the history in the world. If you don't have any history, it's like blah, 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 ruins, who cares, blah, blah, blah. Um, so 
Identify is the most horrible spell. I don't know if it's worse than push or not, but it's pretty bad because it doesn't tell you anything and it costs 100 gold pieces. And you know, people want to do identify, and they're like, "Oh, this this is a plus five coffee mug." Oh no no no! You get to there's a saving throw that magic user has to make, and there's a percentage chance of, and it would never tell the player. Even, right. Never tells it's a plus five thing. It says it's a high plus or it's very powerful. And so in a perfect world, you would do it that way, and, and you'd have to keep track internally of when I use my plus five coffee mug that it would be plus five. Because that, that seems kind of cool to me, is, right? But so it. this idea that you wouldn't know. I mean, I guess, and, and, and you pointed out, it depends upon the kind of adventure you're going to have. So, you know, it's— but that's, but, that's, but that's the history, right? The DMG, no one—I read you that penalty of death. You should, players should not be reading the Dungeon Master's Guide. Right. that— Pay no attention behind the per- curtain, you know, the scre- the whole DM screen, and, and not having—they should have imperfect knowledge, because then right. they make imperfect decisions. You, right. You wouldn't know—you certainly wouldn't know the AC. I mean, I do a lot of stuff for convenience. Right. The, you know, everyone—you uh, know, if you're fighting a goblin, I might as well tell you they're AC. Right. Half the players know it anyway. They right. know it better than the DM And, and they want to know—they want to know when they roll the dice, what do I need to hit? Right. They, they don't just want to roll and go— Look at you! Did I hit? They want to know. Hey, seventeen, right. or else because then you get what my group gets, which I'll even tell them that. Did I hit? I told you it's AC six. Yeah. And then okay. they're still trying to figure it out. And they're yeah. like, "Well, I rolled a 12 I'm like, "You're seventh level." I'm pretty sure. You- <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure you hit. <laughs> Not first level, right? You know, and they got plus eight to hit. So uh, here's the compromise I do. I don't tell them anything about it unless they uh, they can spend some money and they're they'll get some items. They'll get things. I will tell them if it's a if it's a normal item, meaning a magic this or that, uh, as soon as they go into combat with it, then I will let them know what it is, just so that they have no idea what it is. So at least there is a quote unquote uh, challenge of you know they they pick up this new sword and they think it's great and they're fighting and all of a sudden they find out it's a plus one sword and it's not as good as the plus two sword that they they put down. I think you can do all that as if you play a low magic style of game. Like Lord of the Rings, we think is very, you know, this and that. But really, there's only a couple of magic items mm-hmm. that are floating around the place. There's mm-hmm. not a huge amount of magic. And, and the, even the magic users, right, I think you've mentioned a number of times, Gandalf's probably a six-level magic right, user. He's right. not, you know. Uh, so, but if you're playing the tradition, if you go through here, you know, Dwellers of Forbidden City, and you just look and it's like, oh, okay, you find... Uh, you know, incense of meditation and wand of illumination, these kind of things, uh, wand of magic missiles. You know, if they hadn't, I, I will say, if they haven't heard the uh, cha- word to, to do it, you know, because again, it just says you get these things that have a command word, they have to yeah, figure it out. wands. Wands are supposed to have a command That's word. That's right. right. So if they have not heard, I will... Make it clear, but I'll say it one time. You know, you hear the you hear the person say "blaze" and explodes. Well, they don't write it down. Yeah, this is, right. So, how do you handle this when when the player says, "Well, does my character remember it?" No, that's <laughs> and, and and I've gone back and forth on that, and and I was listening to something today, and they're like, someone was doing a Q and A, and like, do you do that? And the answer is no. And I and I, I probably have done it both ways, but I tend to go, nope. Did you hear it? Yeah. Well, do you remember it? I don't know if you remember it. Another one I get, too, is I'm sure you've gotten as well, is does my player believe this person is telling the truth? I don't know. And my response is always like, well, what do you think? Right. Unless they have a special ability to right. detect lies, sure. then they don't. The only time I'll let them roll on things is if they're, you know, the character may have knowledge of the world that 
the player doesn't know because right. it's not their world. Right. So, you know, do I know what these ancient glyphs right, sure. are? Okay, I'll let you roll that, but... You, know, you, don't, you don't require your players to actually study up on the, no. themselves right. I don't off have, time. I don't have an alphabet and take the Lord of the Rings alphabet and make them practice it. But, uh, but you know, that, that is true. If, if they don't write it down, and part of that is, hey, you know what? Um, I put a lot of time into getting this thing ready. You could at least write the notes of this is Rufus the bartender. If you don't write down Rufus's name, you know, that's, my, that's your problem. That's not right. my problem. Right. Um, do a better job of, of preparing. So mid-tier, the downside to mid-tier is, um, I don't think there really is. I prefer mid-tier is, is good. There's a lot of choices. It also allows, in some ways, there's more creativity or, and um, I think players feel like they have more options when they're at, once they get past fourth level. When beginning, they really have to leverage their spikes and their 10-foot poles and all these, you know, really rudimentary things to be successful. Here, once they get to that level, they can do things like, oh, I cast invisibility and I sneak around it. So some of the encounters that a module may have, you don't really know how they're going to get past it because the options for the characters increase where they can have invisibility. They can charm people or they can cast fog or a phantasm force. There's, there's spells that are... Uh, and that's why, back to your point of, the, you know, kind of the, 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 especially in first edition pre-Unearth Arcana, the power level of the fighter is very like this, and all of a sudden they catch up, the magic users right. catch up at that point. Third tier, which is where our group is in right now, it's that 8 to 12, they're going through the Giant series. And again, even though they're 5th, 6th, and 7th level, uh, they're one of their magic users is 8th level, most of the... the the original characters are seventh level, and because they're specialized, as I said, they're basically ninth or tenth level. Um, that's when it, you get you start getting into this very challenging. They feel very heroic because they can just mow through. Mm -hmm. uh, they can mow through people, and you know they they start acquiring very powerful items. They're they're involved, and part of the tier is also the type of adventure you can have. First level, village of hamlet. Keep of the Borderlands, uh, Curse of the Reptile God. They're, they're dealing with localized items. They're lo localized events. They're dealing with, you know, there's a problem at the Village of Hamlet. Go it's figure the, out. The Scooby-Doo right. episode. Yeah, they break down and they show up. Right. So, or Keep of the Borderlands. There's just Caves of Chaos. Go clean them out. Uh, Mid-tier, they start getting involved in regional areas. Like the Slaver series is about... These slavers who are taking over an area, and if they're successful, they will save a region. Maybe not even be a whole kingdom. Look at the, the third tier, giants. They're now dealing with kingdoms that are having issues, and they start interacting with kings and princes. Um, so that that third tier of they, they they they're you know again they've acquired more spells. Um, they they can have multiple attacks. Uh, you know, again, those spells, you get to that fourth and fifth level. You Now you've got uh, Ice Storm, you've got Cone of Cold, you've got Charm Monster, you've got uh, Conjure Elementals. I mean, you really start going from, but still the magic user, you know, even though he's, he or she's more powerful, you get two fire, you get a fighter on top of a magic user. If they don't win initiative, they're going to be dead in two mm -hmm. rounds. So mm -hmm. they typically, um, and in later editions, um, which I, I don't think is great, they start allowing for spells to be pre-casted on them so they can defend themselves, which I guess kind of makes sense. If you're a super powerful wizard, you'd have all these protections. You wouldn't need bodyguards, per se. Mm. They'd have these spells that 
you know, if I hit you, uh, a contingency spell would go off. Like if I get hit, yeah. I get I can teleport. Like a little trap or something. Right. Yeah. It's like know, basically like a, a programming language. Uh. <laughs> you know, if I'm under this hit point, right. you do this, or if right. I get hit by this. Right. Um, so uh, so the advantages of the tier is players feel epic. They finally, you know, they can, you know, the, our guys, they fight eight giants. They're like, meh, whatever. You know, it's annoying, but they have good armor class. You know, most of them are in the zero to negative something. And then if they're a dwarf, they're minus four. So, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a good combat. They, they take some damage. The, you know, even if, if a giant hits them for three to 30 hit points, none of them are going to die mm-hmm. because they all have at least 25 hit points. Uh, so death is rarer. I mean, we still have had player death. Um, but the downside is, you know, how do you keep the challenge up? You know, again, with eight frost giants and four hill giants, it's basically a five-minute fight. And I can ask you, so you have how many player characters? Twelve. So have you adjusted? So they're going, I mean, surely well, not, the G-Series is not built for that many players. It's built for nine characters. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Wow. It's built for a whole—I mean, all of these are crazy. I mean, they expect these giant parties to wow. be traver- traversing through here. Because even if you look at the pre-gens— Wow. Um, you're supposed to pick— If the tournament's played, the players should use the first six characters, but they have wow. 19 or 20 characters. There's a lawful evil character in here. Yeah. A neutral evil. You could play evil— that's right. Gygax, so maybe, you know, maybe I've got a lot to learn. You, do. you know That would be awesome. I do, because I always assumed, you know, that's, I would, I always thought, you know, the, I, the conception was generally good versus evil. I understand you can be neutral, but so you've got evil characters going through. Right. That's interesting. Okay. So you would actually have to adjust it downward if you had fewer than. Right. Say. Well, it should okay. say somewhere on here, I mean, usually it says, you know, this, this thing's, uh, um, you know, because back in the day when we played, we pl- usually had multiple characters. Oh, yeah, you can do that. So, uh, but it will say someone here, this thing is set for, but the Giants is nine characters. It's up to nine characters. Oh, this is very cool. I never crossed my mind that in the Forbidden City, there would actually be. A city? Yeah, that's forbidden. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I've never played that. So I may, you know, if that's something, if you want to run that at some point, I've never played it or run it. You can, you if that's something you're interested in, I'd be happy to let you borrow it. I appreciate that. Um, but I'd need your address and some deposit. You no, know, I'd be very... Well, right, I have to take on an insurance policy. Oh, uh, no, it's okay. D&D it's, insurance. It's only about $300 now. I'm just kidding. It's like, we should, well, you hear about these poor people who, you know, their house burns down or something like that, or and they lose all their D&D stuff. Yeah, you know, they'll post that on Facebook. It's terrible. That is terrible. But, um, so I haven't had a just... In fact, I've had to... Um, I think... I don't know how the original people would survive it. That's the part that, uh, you know, our players are kind of moaning about. Um, Boy, this is so hard. I'm like, you guys are mopping through it. Imagine if you were, if this was wasn't your. This player. is so hard. What level are they again? They should be thrilled to be alive. Oh. They should retire. They, but they don't want to retire. They're moving forward to save the world or something. You like know that. my plan. I want to play a half orc cleric, and he's retiring after fourth level. Well, guess what? You know what my character is in John's game? What? Fighter, cleric, half orc, female. That's awesome. That's right. That's fantastic. So, because no one wants to have a deity, because I have yes. a recommendation. Well, oh, go ahead. What's your recommendation? I think it was like Luthien or something like that. Oh, Luthien, the, the mother, the uh, with orc the big mother. long nails. Yeah, the orc because she's a healer. She is, but she's evil. 
I know, but all of them. That's why. Yeah, yes, but she has neutral tendencies. Now oh, I, we're going to oh, get into this. We go. I, here we go. Oh. But if you get your DM to let you do it, have a cleric without, you know, you, you're, you should be lawful, neutral. Because I am lawful and neutral. Perfect. Oh, I love that. I love kindred spirits. That's here. right. Lawful and neutral. And I, I actually picked uh, Horus because John said we could pick any deity that uh, who's the Avenger God, and that's what I've. The, okay. The backs. Yeah. The backstory there is, you know, I obviously went with the human parent, and then something uh, terribly happened to the orc mother. And uh, so now I'm looking for vengeance, is the kind of thing. So. Oh wait, you had an orc mother. That's right. This is so. I did a pregen for my convention, and it was a fighter cleric, half orc. I think it's male. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I decided to switch it up because you know I I think I get a little yeah, tired the, the of the story. Is, right, the orcs raped, the, rape or right. something happens there. Right. So I had it where the uh, it was uh, the dad was the human who was right. like a baddie and who actually right. joined the. Uh, Luthien is, I can't remember which uh, tribe she is. She's one of those, the, the orc tribes. And, uh, yeah, he joined it because, you know, he was that kind of guy. He's right. an assassin and, you know, uh, ended up marrying, you know, the, the orc cook or something like that, female. And, right. yeah, so, wow, that's... Uh, so there you go. That's, that's, you know what would be cool? Would I think a half-orc party? What it do you would think? be. Well, we've tried... We've and that's where, back to the... That's where these one-shots are useful because... Yeah. You can make them all dwarves. You can make them the druid, the eco-terrorist. All, all gnomes. All gnomes, eco-terrorist. <laughs> all the you know, gnomes. Yeah, the eco-terrorist. That's what you're talking about, that, the that's druid right. eco-terrorist. I think that would be great. Right? And then, yeah, you could have half-orcs. Yep. They, you know, a half-orc party. Yeah, well, it's, it's very a hobbit because you basically have all the, of the same uh, creatures. Well, that's right. That's Instead right. of dwarves, you would do that. I remember still back in the day... I one one day I rolled up like a bunch of dwarves because I wanted a part a group a part, you know, like the Hobbit, and I remember bringing them in and I can't remember if it was to Edward or whoever it was. I said, "Look what I did," and they just looked at me and they go, "Now what are you going to do with all of these?" And I was like, "I don't know." But I have them. I remember that. I guess I have them. I have them. Just I have them. I rolled them all up. I roll them up. They're great. What's wrong with that? I mean, what was I doing? Spending my time rolling up like thirteen because it was they was thirteen because of the unlucky number. Didn't yeah. they need Bilbo to be fourteen? Right. 13, do I spend my day rolling up 13? And now with the internet, you press dwarves, 13, yeah, and, it just, and it just does it. What a life. Well, that's what we did. We did a lot of silly things. I mean, we have, I, I'm sure we're not the only ones. I couldn't draw. I have no drawing artistic ability. My, I was in helping my friend who was, uh, did drafting for his father, did engineering. So we went to AutoCAD, and we built castles in AutoCAD, like people use Minecraft. Yeah. And so I still have them on green and white paper. I'll show you some of the yeah. things we, we did. But we've completely segued. So what's great about Tier 4 is you can give out, you can start really giving out epic items. Right. You, know, you can give out, uh, you can tie them to the world, and you can set up these epic encounters that they eventually will be world-changing. And, and that sets up the fifth tier, which is, or the fourth tier, which is the 10 to 14, or, you know, 11 to, you know, it's anything below 14th or 15th level. Um, this is high adventure. You know, you look at Tomb of Horrors, you look at um, the Drow series, the Q1, uh, Queen of Demon, they're all 10 to 14. And you're fighting literally deities, you're, you're, you, know, you have all, liches, all these kind of really at the super high end pre uh, there's really nothing you're not allowed to uh, attack. And again, you have to be careful, but they have a lot of abilities. And I think this is where um, most DMs, and myself included, 
Um, Dan, you don't have a whole lot of experience, and that's why I think you should run some one-shots with 10 to 14 so you can uh, get that experience because um, a lot of dungeon masters find that challenging to a point because they, it, if you design anything, you, you don't know all the capabilities. It's impossible to know all the capabilities. And if you have this adversarial relationship, which you shouldn't, you're constantly worried about, okay, well, how would they get out of this? And how would they get out of this? And, you know, or this, this uh, lich should be able to protect themselves, but because of your ability as a dungeon master, you did not think of everything, and then it's something trivial, or at least perceived to be something trivial that the players do. But you, you know, now you're changing worlds. You can go to different planes, which is, uh, you know, you're at 10 to 14th level. You should be able to adjust reality or epic fights with huge battles. Um, there's, 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 a, there's an arc, and typically the higher level you get, the less combat is focused on, which is if you want a campaign to end and you want a very high level and, and you have players who like the fight, just get them to the epic levels. Because eventually, you know, I remember um, at playing high level uh, that, you know, we, we, you maybe have one encounter a session because most of the time you're looking at puzzles, you're looking at traps, you're, you're negotiating with things because you're, you're just at a different plane. You're, 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 the gods don't fight each other because bad things are going to happen. Yeah. Big pl player characters don't fight each other or evil players because the stakes are too high. That's what they have minions for. That's why you have pawns who go off and, and do these things. <laughs> your first level characters. Right. You have your first throw through whatever. Um, <laughs> and some players don't like that. They want, you know, they acquired all this magic and everything to wade through things. Well, uh, most liches and these type of things are not going to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with an adventure party. They're smarter than that. Well, that's interesting. And, and, and I'd like to ask you a question about that. Because my perception of levels 10 through 14 would be that as a DM, because you'd suggested that I run something at that level, is that it would be very difficult because yeah. I've had this perception that, you know, I, I know how to handle an orc. It's quite easy. Orc has sword, spear, whatever, right? I can, I can play an orc. But when you start hitting levels 10 through 14, I'm getting the perception that I've got players who have spells that are getting very, that I'm not as familiar with. They have tons, because they have a lot of them. Right. And I've got, you know, if I've got a low-level magic user, I know what spells he's got. I can read those in 10 minutes. I've got a high-level magic user. He's got a billion spells, everyone literally pretty much in the book that I've got to be aware of. And then I've got monsters that are much more complicated. I have a lot more powers that I've got to be aware of. So I had the impression that it would be very challenging to run it. But it's, It would be. Okay. 10 to 14 can be very challenging because you're still... There, you know, and especially if the old school modules like Vel to the Drought, they're, they've statted everyone out, and the missions are still get into the place and find out what's going on. So if once you pass the stealthy mode, you get into combat, um, there's a lot of capabilities. I was, you know, once you get past what I call the epic tier, past 14th level, A, there's short of later past Unearth Arcana, there are no epic modules that you, uh, that are, you know, for you to purchase. I'm not aware of any of them pre-1985 that you that were above 14th level. I'm sure there are. I'm sure there were published ones, but they were not in the traditional I-series, you know, Q1 and S1. Tumahars and Queen of the Demon Web Pips are the two highest level modules that I think you can buy. They're 10 now, to 14. They're 10 to 14? 
So, um, but look at two Mahars. Two Mahars, there's like six encounters. I'm probably minimizing it, of, of actual fighting. And none of the fighting is rather It's all traps. It's all traps. It's all trying to figure out things. Queen of the Demon Web Pips, um, you know, there is fighting in it, uh, but most of it's adventuring. You're trying to figure things out, and you're trying not to be... Um, you're trying not to be caught because you're in a you're in the abyss. Horrible things could happen. So, um, and, can, and and the and the combat seems to be either overpowered or underpowered. Can I ask you a question about sure. Vault of the Drow? Mm -hmm. I see down here it says Gen Con 11 Tournament Module. Right. It, it's this seems long. It is. It's I mean, crazy. How in the world can you run? I mean, a tournament module. It seems to me would need just a few rooms. Right. I mean, is it? Well, I don't know. I, I never understood that. I mean, it's yeah. great that these, for, for people who, I think they write the module and then they figure out the scoring later. That's the only thing I can think of with that. Oh, this is where, I mean, I, maybe I should mention or show it because I don't want to give anything away. Yes. Though I guess at this point, you know, there's not a lot of people out there that are going to be fault to the draw spoilers, kind of yes. like surprise them. But that's where. That's right. The deep nose. Deep nose. But, you know, if you look through this module, um, you know, there's a lot of stats for combat and fighting, but, you know, if you assault the vault, the, the, the city, there's 8,000 drow living there. It's going to go horribly wrong. Even with my sleep spell? Yes. <laughs> oh, wait, are they, are drow like other elves, are they immune to sleep? Are they're, they're, are they're 90, is it 90% resistant or uh, they, they have, they, they have magic resistance and then they're immune to they're sleep. They're immune to sleep and they have 90% magic resistance. Yes, and typically and so, they're over two hit dice, so that would be. Drow the same way? Yeah, so there's there's a lot of problems with that. Yeah. Okay. But you know, so I think the um, the other problem is with when you get to the higher tier, which is why there's less encounters, is because people don't want to waste their time. You know, there's some encounters in here where they fight, you know, ten second level drow. Their your party's going to win. I don't even know why you're wasting. Time. Right. That's just boring. No, yeah. that's like having ten orcs when you're at eighth level. Yeah. I mean, that's just... Unless the DM's going to be super creative and, and use the environment to figure out, you know, they, they throw nets or something. Yeah, to, like Tucker's Kobolds kind of yeah. thing where they're, right. Yeah. Really subterfuge. It's, it's really hard. So typically, um, and that's where I think Tier 5, it, it, you know, that's, you know, the, or Tier 4, the high level, just before Super Epic makes a lot of sense to end the campaign. You, you, you save the world from, in this case, Loth invading... Uh, if it's Q1, you defeat her, and again, I don't, I, I didn't, I will never run Q1 because it doesn't make any sense that you would actually fight Loth in her plane. And wait, win. what do you mean? You've got to finish it off. You've no. gone that far. No, it's you got to do is, Q1 is. Terrible. There's no Q2, right? There's no Q2. Was it supposed to be? Why are they call no. Q1? You've got to do that. It's that's the, the way. That's the culmination. You're not going to do that. But are you doing? You're doing a vault of the drow. Yeah. Where are they at now? They're in the giants, right? They're in the giants right now. So you would have to do D1, 2, and 3? Yes. And you, that's your plan? Uh, well, I mean, I shouldn't give anything away. What's that? That's, that's, it'll be a modified version. Of the drow's out of the bag, isn't it, at this point? Oh, the, they, yeah, they, they know they're going to go down there at some point. It's yeah. just... Well, the problem with Q1 is that there would be no way this 10 to 14 party would be able to kill Loth. Why don't you let them point. decide? Well, I would decide for them. They'll go there and they'll die horribly. No, let... Okay. They will, they will die. Let them decide. No? Yeah. All right. Well, they may. I mean, that, I, I'm not going to say no. I'm just saying if they go, I'll let them know going to an, an, an abyssal plane. But, you know, this is the other issue. There's a lot of work in this because uh -huh. all the spells work differently. Uh -huh. and, 
it's a huge work. And, mm-hmm. and there's and some of it they have, you know, again, not to get the sp- super spoilers, there's just some uh, steampunk almost uh, mer- merges with this. So uh, uh, I don't know. Is that right? You know, and actually in, in, in this one, D3, again, more spoiler alerts, you, which makes a lot more sense, you get to uh, you get to fight her in this plane. Then that sounds bad because she probably has a lot of power. Oh, wait, oh, oh, in this plane, your plane, not her right. plane. Right. Yeah, she, if if you do something, and that's what I, okay. that would be the version of this. Can I ask you about the, the G series? Is it is I I've been through it apparently. Edward tells me I went through it. Yeah. Uh, is it? Uh, I know it's iconic. Is it? Is it as? How good is it? So, you know, you hear so much about the G series. Is it just because it, you think that its reputation is built on the fact that everyone remembers it and there's a lot of nostalgia built up around it? Or do you find it as you're running it that, yeah, that's, that's a good adventure? Yeah, I, I, well, I like them. First thing I like about them, they're short. Each one's about eight or nine pages. Nice. Yeah. They have about 30 or 40 rooms, 20 yeah. on one or two levels, the first two. And even the, the Fire Giant one has about 40 rooms. It's in, mm-hmm. it's in more levels. So there's not a lot of levels. Mm-hmm. Um, you can make it as challenging as you want it to be. You can be, I'm going to be merciful and not have all the giants attack. Or you can, if you have a very sophisticated party and they just kind of stroll in, you, you know, you could have 30 giants attack them and, and That's it. That, that would be problematic for most parties right. to deal with. Um, so I like it. It's very um, easy to run because mm-hmm. at least the first two, G1, G2, there's not a lot of magic users. Enemy magic users. So you don't have to know what they're going to do. They're pretty straightforward. Giant attack. Nice. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> and, and, and players can use their abilities to get around. You know, they can use invisibility, um, and, and, but yet there's still a chance for the giants to see them because, you know, as they get tiered up, um, and, you know, there's, giant, there's a lot of giant slayer swords and these type of things, again, gives them an opportunity to be epic, right? The, you know, the idea of the mat, some one of the players hitting a giant and doing, you know, killing him in one shot. That's always people love that kind yeah, of yeah. that capability. So I think they're great from that perspective. Uh, the first one was good. Uh, the second one I like as well. It just, you know, so it's once you like any pre-module, I don't take them verbatim. I kind of uh, adjust them. So the, I will say there is definitely a. You know, in my the campaign, I will have to give them some chance to rest and heal up and get a a level because if they don't level up, there is the difficulty increases dramatically between each of them. So the first uh, G one spoiler alert: the big challenge is avoiding stirring the hornet's nest. Mm-hmm. You want to kind of take out a bunch of people and draw people because all there's a big party. There's a celebration in the in the main hall, and there's like 30 giants in there. Mm-hmm. So you know, you walk in there, and there's 30 giants. Say goodnight. That's a bad. That's a bad deal with bears and ogres and all. Can't kinds you of pretend things. you're the help or something like here? You know, uh, unless delivering you're, unless the, you're uh, orc slave, unless you're orcs, then you know. And I don't think the putting the orc uh, apron is going to work. My old my old trick. Yeah. yeah, that's not going to work. You're all kind of short for an orc kind of thing. <laughs> but look at my apron. That's right. Oh yes, you totally get past. So, um, so if, if, you know, if they kind of systematically, the the module kind of lends itself to. There's a big party. Everyone's out there. There's a handful of people around, handful of giants around. 
you pick them all off and then you slowly, you know, beat them down and, um, you know, you're in much better shape. Or you can have one of your player characters go invisible into the main hall, get detected by the bear and stir up the hornet's nest. Mm -hmm. That's what happened with that group. Yeah. And, uh... Well, so they, yeah. They tried. They were trying. Right, right. And that is unfortunate. You hate, don't you hate it when you're DM? The party is seeming to do what seems like the right thing. They're being creative, but it just doesn't go well. Well, that's enough. That's for another topic. I'll let the players who yeah. are in it. The frost giant is is even harder because there's a number of creatures that are very deadly. There's two white dragons. There's a whole bunch of things in there. That is there a whore fox? A whore fox? Isn't that in the Fiendfolia? Where's Fiendfolia? Oh, here you go. I don't know. Isn't that some uh, snowbound? Uh, no, I didn't see that. I don't know. There's there's ice toads. There's you know anything <laughs> cold except I don't think there's a whole lot in the from the fiend folio. I probably just made this thing up. So I, I just British, picked a random. That was a British thing too. So, um, and obviously the giants are more powerful, and you start seeing other things. Uh, G three is definitely a scale up because now you get more drought. Yeah, there's a lot. Oh, it's adorable, isn't it? It is a whore. What a whore. Inha Fox. In, in, <laughs> inhabitants of cold regions. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. They, he's, no, he's not in there. Oh, you know what? Okay, so your, your fiend folio. That's not my fiend folio. That was an extra fiend folio. That's one I was going to give away, but you think I should try to contact? We need to contact, so we need to, we need to make this, this our, seg our segment. That's right. So Blaine, if anyone knows, Blaine McGuire. That M A. G U I R E. Yep, yep. Blaine McGuire, who at the time lived in North Ride, California. We're not going to give out his address. Uh, Why wouldn't we? Because they, someone may murder the person. We don't know the people listening to this thing. Okay, so if you know or are Blaine McGuire, that's right. Put a comment in, and we will send you your fiend folio back. From, from what are the odds that he still? Okay, from North Ride. Well, Colorado. Did you, did you, is it Colorado or California? Oh, yeah, it's Colorado. Well, let's Google this. Is it CA? Is California? Oh, oh, I thought that was a CO period. Oh, maybe. No, you're probably right. It's probably. Well, let's find out. You're probably right. Anyhow, so if you're Blaine, uh, and you, you know, we we've talked about this somehow setting up uh, a kind of a. You know, like when there's a disaster and they have a poster board of, have you seen this person? Right. Letting people get their books back. Because um, I have my original player's handbook. You're right. Um, oh, no, this is North Ranch. North Ranch. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, but my Dungeon Master's Guide and my, oh, I have my original Monster Manual and my original player's handbook. But my Monster Manual, I'm sorry, my DMG is not original. And that would be, you know, that book, I remember reading it like a... Holy Scripture, and it would be great to have that back. So I think it's possible that Blaine was confused as to where he lived. Right. I'm not finding a Northride. I'm finding a Northridge, California is coming up a lot. Okay, so it's probably Northridge. He didn't spell it right. <laughs> I'm sure if you put his address in, you could figure it out as well. But Oh, good point. Yeah. I'll do that as well. So, um, which we won't say on the thing, just in case... Someone is looking to murder. Oh, I was looking for Blaine for years and finally found where he was. Ha, ha, ha. I was so fortunate to be listening to the Grog talk. <laughs> and they have revealed my nemesis's <laughs> location. I'm still angry. He killed my gnome. <laughs> he was a mean DM. That's right. He was terrible with that whore fox. That fox is full of whores. So. Yes. Well, I can't even, you know what? We can't even give out the street. Do you know what that says? Uh, Don't even say it, but no. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. He was obviously a confused child. You know what? All right. Well, I'm also, while we're doing this, I'm going to Google his name. Yeah. I'm sure the sure he probably has an alert. He's probably a Secret Service agent, and anyone who searches his name, the black ops. It probably is true. He probably does work the CIA now. Yeah. So anyway, so we talked about that, and I th- actually we've got we don't have to get into the styles of play because uh, we already had an hour and a half. I think what I will say about these tiers is um, if you haven't experienced them because. You know, if you're if you're in a traditional game where you start first level, you go through it, and then the campaign peters out because people are leaving. Uh, did you find him? I found some Blaine McGuire's. Okay. You know, I mean, there you know, there's more than. He would probably look like us. Actually, you know what? There's not that many Blaine McGuire. Okay, there's one guy in Ireland. I don't yeah, think it's him, yeah, probably, it but it could be. Um, he would really be confused. So look, there's a Blaine McGuire. Look, I think people who play D and D are smart people. They tend to be. I th- so this guy is a senior systems engineer. Mm-hmm. Oh look, he's in the greater San Diego area. And maybe that isn't San Diego, right? Yeah. He's at. Oh look at he looks kind of. Yeah, he's about his age, don't you think? Experience. I think um, he was at BioSite for twelve years. Oh, look, he's IT specialist. Yeah, 95, so he's... Oh, production chemist. He sounds smart. Yeah, 20... In 95. So he's 20... He's he went to UC San Diego in 1990. Yeah. So I think this is... You know what I oh, should wh- do? Why would he play the first edition? Maybe he would. He just started the first edition. Yeah, that would be Wait, wait, right. no, no, he was... Yeah, no, because he went to college. He's, right, he's just like me. Yeah, yeah, 1990. I went to college in 86. Right, he's a few years younger than us. And, and right, so I think he he still would have been playing if right. So if he was playing in high school right. in the late '80s, that's still first edition, think, isn't it? Wait a minute, hold on. All right, I just heard the last person drop out because they're yeah. like, no one cares about playing. But we'll, we're going to find who. I'm like, going to know he's on LinkedIn. Are you on LinkedIn? I am. So can you can contact him? <laughs> of course. Why is this more work? Why didn't I just scratch this out? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Dan's been replaced. Where did Dan, what happened to Dan? <laughs> no, you need to contact Blaine McGuire yes. and say, Blaine, I think I have your fiend folio. And he's like, don't ever mention the Dungeons & Dragons to me again. But I don't okay. play. I don't know who you are. Leave me alone. That's right. No, we need to contact Blaine McGuire. Okay. He and ask him if this is, yes, if this is his Fiend Folio. Well, I would say, of course, it's his Fiend Folio. He wrote it. Why would, well, who else would write he it? He bought this at KB Toys. Yeah. That's KB Toys, right? Yeah. The I toy so. store. That's, that's, that's the original one then, because KB is not going to be selling to you Fiend Folio. That's awesome. Yeah. That's the original. He I, bought it at KB but here's Toys. The thing, I may have bought it from him. I don't remember. He may have sold it to me. He may be like, why are you contacting me? I sold you this. You know, we—it's it's, all—all sales are final. That's I told right. you that, James. Stop. All sales. No, no, no. You were confused. No, I'm not, I, I don't want, want my money back. I want it back. Oh, you just recently bought this off yes. of, off of the eBay. Yes, off the of eBay. I have to check if I have other ones with his name on. I don't think so. But. Well, you can check your search history. You can check your order yes, history. Yes, I can. See, because I wanted to fill out my thing. Let's see. Yeah, that would has... not be a very exciting reunion if we were just calling the guy you bought it from. <laughs> Right. Two months ago on eBay. Yeah, he's That's going, less hey. interesting. It's like this old book. 
They redid well, the Well, you thing. just check it out, and you wow. can see. No, you didn't buy it from Blaine. You bought it from whatever, Wayne's, something, you know, Seth, yeah. what do you think? I'll have to look. I'll have to look, because I bought a few books with there, because I was missing some of the core books. So instead of buying them individually, I bought lots of them. Well, this needs to be. We, we said uh, okay. that we were going to try to reunite. I am going to try to Yes, this one I will try to reunite. Thank you. All right. I'll, I will work. That'll be tirelessly. Now that I've done my taxes, this will be my next. Well, listen, if, if you know, if I can write letters... <laughs> to people who wrote, have I given you an update on that? No, go ahead. Okay, so, so, so I've got this friend Joe in Philadelphia who's mm -hmm. looking for this adventure. Who I've, who I've met, and he's a very, very, I've always uh, no, I'm sorry. Guy. It's a different Joe. Oh, yeah. Seriously. Two Joes from Philadelphia? Two Joes from Philadelphia. Wow, okay. Sorry. And he's sorry, looking, first Joe. This is Joe number two. Right. He's looking for this adventure, uh, You Bet Your Life, Ellipsis, again. It's the sequel, of course, to <laughs> You Bet Your Life. And these were adventures run at this uh, convention, I think, in Detroit back in the 80s. Or late 70s, I think. And so we wrote this. Uh, he called him up. We found the address of the guy, okay. phone number. and called him up, and he hangs up on my friend Joe. Joe says, hey, are you the guy who are you, Betcha? Mm, and he just hangs up on him. Yeah. So what we did then is I found, a, I found an advertisement, an order form for the adventure. Mm-hmm. From the late seventies or something, and so I filled. And we had his address in Tampa, so I filled it out and I put in a check for three dollars and fifty cents, which is what the price was, and I sent it off. And I heard nothing. Well, I'm sitting at my office the other day, and my cell phone rings. <laughs> it's the guy who wrote the adventure, right. and he says, "Hey, yeah, you know, I was going through my basement, I found it." And I said, "Well, listen, the person you really want to talk to is my friend Joe in Philadelphia. He'd be thrilled." And he says, okay, well, I have a landline, I'll, and I, don't have, I didn't have Joe's number with me. I'll call you at 7 p.m. Friday night. I said, great. Well, you can figure right, Yeah, right. the 7 o'clock comes, 7 o'clock passes, don't hear anything. I call the guy's landline. It just keeps ringing. That's where we're at. Wow. You, that's not, that's, 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 that was worth so, the wait, wasn't so, it? So <laughs> you, someone actually called, and you said, I'm going to make this harder for you, for your $3.50, I said. Well, I, you should have just said, yeah, send it to me. No, I did say that, too. I said, yeah, I want it, probably. I think I said that, too. And then you could have sent it to your friend. He didn't say, exactly. No, but I, I said you can send you it to me. You know what this thing you could do for people is, is go write a cease and desist or uh, yes. letters, stop calling me, right. stop harassing me people about like, this thing. People like me. Right. Like to, to, to send cease and desist letters to people like myself. Right, exactly. You could say, you know, I have a service because apparently I'm not the only one who's asking for 40-year-old modules. Here, you can send this in response. Right, right. That would, I think that's a service you I could can sell that, right. Like, and Blaine McGuire is going to need that. For people, un right, for, for people unlike us who are embarrassed about, they're trying to get away from right. their playing days. They don't want it to be brought up. They don't want their wives knowing that they did this. All right. Well, maybe maybe it's not that way. But or we could call them up and be like, "We'll stop calling you if you give us some money." No, wait, don't do that. I think that would, I that think, would probably be illegal. I think that's illegal. <laughs> don't do that. I think especially if you hire me, right. I will send a cease and desist letter right. to me. And get them, get me to stop allow, calling. Allow you. you to stop calling. Yeah, okay. I, I don't think that's a good thing. No, but no, don't do that. it was interesting that at least he reached out. He said, and you know what he said? Well, I think I told you this. He said that he was interested in coming to Crucible 8 and mm. running You Bet Your Life He again. may have died, though. That's terrible. Well. You know, there is a high mortality rate for our, this generation. Well, I mean, they're get, getting older. I they mean, they're getting older. I mean, the fact he's lived in the same house for 40 years. Yeah. 
I, I'm not saying that's... No, no, I don't know if he's lived there. We just found his current address. I don't know that he's lived there Oh, okay. I thought, I thought you, put, you went to the old magazine and filled out and put the same no, address. No, no, oh, no. Okay. that's where no, I was I used, No, I updated the address. No, I sent it to the... Uh, well, maybe he reconsidered the fact that you looked up his new address and he thought he was going to do something nice and he realized, oh my goodness, these people are stalking me. Yeah. And, and, and now I'm terrified. He's probably hiding in his closet right now, scared that. I was hoping he'd find it funny that a check arrives for three fifty in this order form from the late seventies. I'm sure he found it funny until the terror rich. There's a fine him. line, yeah. When he started researching and said, and he sort of thought was, about this. Yeah, first he's like, yeah, this is funny. Wait, yeah, this is disturbing. It's disturbing. This is not the set. You know, hitchhiking was a big thing in the seventies. Yeah. Do you see people doing that anymore? No, no, because they're worried about being murdered on the side of the road. Both, on both sides. Exactly. Right? So the, the driver's worried about yeah. being murdered. Uh, no. The hitchhiker's worried Uber. about being murdered. People get Uber now. So. Well, and that's dangerous. I didn't say I should, would recommend that, but that is... Oh, that, that, yeah. At least you know the killer who's getting you because and the person. You have to at least log in before you get murdered. So yeah, anyway, okay. I'm sorry. We totally digress. So um, I think, my, you know, as far as Tears of Play, you know, the, the I think everyone... If you haven't had that chance, and it's very rare to go create either create modules or go online, Adventure Lookup, uh, that's uh, a site where you can put high levels in there, download the modules, do a one-shot so you can get experience with it. So, And then you can decide if that's the type of play that you'd like. And I, and I think it doesn't have to be this big combat fest. It could be, you know, I know you're trying to steer towards more role-playing. I think you could have that opportunity if you, you know, had pre-gen characters higher level where they'd have to use their wits to figure out as opposed to, you know, almost like a Tuma Horus thing, but not so deadly where there's not going to be a whole lot of encounters, uh, a combat encounters, but there's going to be more of interplay and role playing. So I think that's uh, a, a, an opportunity we all should take. Um, and one thing, a couple things real quick to mention is that some of the lower level adventures, I don't know if this has been your experience with a higher level adventure. Some of the lower level adventures are, wo- are really not appropriate, oftentimes, for oh, yeah. the levels they indicate. So it indicates right. one to three. Right. And, but they know, have a white, right? And there's a white. The infamous, right? You read it. Keeping the Borderlands, and that's, that's Gygax. Yeah, they have a white. They have a, they have a Medusa. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And um, in um, when I read, I read Chapel of Silence, which I think is a great module, but it had a, uh, it's low level, one to three, I think, and it has a... Uh, a vampire. I think the. I think I give that one a little bit of a pass, only because that was original D and D, and maybe yeah. a vampire. Or ba- a basic. I think Holmes basic. Oh, it's Holmes basic. But I think the vampires are less. Yeah, they're not as fleshed out. out. They're not as. Yeah, they're not as fleshed out. And um, a first edition vampire in a first level game. Yeah. It's, it's game over. And one of the difficulties too is some of the old judges guild modules, which are well known, like uh, Caverns of Thracia, Teagle Manor, don't actually identify identify levels. Right. Which makes it tough, and it really is. The deeper you go, the harder it gets. So I guess I guess the concept perhaps is head on out, level up, maybe go back in. Yeah. But that's hard because you don't even know what level to start the thing at because they don't. You know, I, back in the day, right? I, I think there, that was not all that unusual. As long as people understood the rules, and I think if you go back to the original D and D, I think Gary's. Uh, Instruction was, you know, make six levels of dungeon. And the idea mm-hmm. was the lower level you're in, the monsters should be appropriate. And that first level characters go on first level dungeon. Right. Second, right, third, right. fourth, fifth, and sixth. So um, as long as people understood that's the language that you're going into. So mm-hmm. that if, and, and that's where a lot of this makes sense of when you're doing the random dungeon generation. 
where, oh, you fell down a trap, you go down two levels. Now all of a sudden you realize, <laughs> oh crap, I've gone, not only have I been hurt while falling 20 feet, which by the way should be what, 3D6 now, not 2D6. Right. Um, but I'm on level three now. That means I could be fighting third level monsters here. That's, you know, the scary that, part. Yeah, that, you know, that's interesting. And I, and I know that's very old school. It reminds me a little bit of video games, though, right? right. I'm on level two. The monsters are getting harder. So I'm a big fan of this sort of where the dungeon makes sense. And that, I don't know, some of that to me. I mean, you can argue, you could come up with a reason why that makes sense. Who are you? Who are you? I'm becoming more discerning. Wow. Okay. I know, right? The nostalgia is wearing off, and now, you know, this blind faith in all that was old is, is wearing off, and I think I'm becoming more discerning. So, as a matter of What are we going to just call ourselves? Talk? Woke, woke talk? Or we're going to be. Because grog talk is about old, you know, the way it used to be. So, if you're going to evolve from that, which is fine. It's like my alignment's changing. That's right. You know, there's a penalty. There is a penalty. Well, I lose a level, I think. I think you lose a level, and uh, you have to do atonement. And, and I immediately forget the language. Right. Right, which is not much of a language, as you, you pointed out. It's you, just a few words or something. You, yeah, but you would not be able to. I don't think you could speak Dungeon, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. You'd be. I don't know what you'd be at that point. I know that would be weird. I don't know. Well, you're talking about Call of Cthulhu, which again, that's an old school game. So you're okay as you know. That's kind of well. That would be a slight shift in alignment. You, it's not like you're being a radical shift. You're mm -hmm. still in the tendencies. Deep. Yeah, we have some tendencies, but you're still. Oh, you know, that's a deadly game, and it's old school. You know, it's 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 still. What's interesting about it is is that old school, I think, has many subgenres. We're talking about subgenre, right? You know, of heavy metal, right? So you've got some old adventures, and I guess at some point, some I don't know, maybe someone has done it, is sort of analyze the different styles of old school through the different eras. Because, you know, some of those old Judges Guild uh, or um, uh, the uh, adventures that I was running from, like the Judges Guild Journal or the Dungeoneer from the 70s, were real sort of, in many ways, looked kind of very Monty Python-ish. I mean, there was, yeah. I mean, I had to literally, like, cross out zeros on the treasure. Uh, and, uh, Monty Hall, not Monty Python. Oh, I'm sorry, not Monty Python. Sorry. Monty Hall, not Monty Python. Uh, uh, well, from my side, oftentimes I thought it was very funny. Yeah. Right? But the players didn't yeah. think it was yeah. Monty Python, Monty Hall. And it was just sort of, you know, large amounts of treasure, large, I mean, I think plus three swords on low-level adventures and all that. And then it started, I think, changing. And so old school, there's old school and then there's it's old school, I think, right? I, I think so. And again, I, I don't, for me, old school is, starts with Moldvay Basic, and first edition. And again, mm -hmm. like a lot of people, why would I play basic when I could play advanced? You know, advanced sounded so much more sophisticated. Right. And, Who wants to be basic? Right. Why, why would I want to play it? I'm not a simpleton. I can, I can figure I'm out. I'm cool. I play advanced Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I'm no nerd. I'm no nerd. <laughs> Please. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get, I'm going to get lots of dates, right? I want right. you know. Right. And you know, the, and so the, the modules, because you came from a board game perspective, it took a while to really figure out, not, I don't know how long it took in, in real time, but you bought modules and you played them. So the modules, at least at that point, the published modules were, they felt, they may have felt insane as far as, you know, why is there a frost giant next to a, you know, fire giant versus, or, you know, here's an orc in the next room is a troll. The ecology may have not made a whole lot of sense. But the treasure was commensurate to it, like Keep of the Borderlands, even though that's a basic game, a basic module, the, the best thing you found in there was a plus two sword, which is still pretty, it's a great thing, but it wasn't super ridiculous. 
And when you got done with it, your characters were third level, which is what you would expect mm -hmm. if you spent that time. And most of the modules are like that. You didn't have these ridiculous uh, jumps in treasure or money. Um, you know, they're, they're uh, in, in the Giants, you know, they're, they're probably going to get 100,000 experience points, not, or maybe 200,000 experience points, but not individually. That's the whole group. Well, when you're uh, eighth or ninth level, you need forty or fifty thousand to go up. So you know it's it's about half a level or a level for some of them. So, uh, any more on this? Because I think uh, you know we're we're at a good probably at a good stopping point as far as talking about. It. We talked about tiers of play, and you know each one has an advantage or disadvantage depending on. Uh, I think the higher up you go, the dungeon master definitely needs to understand the game more and not be frustrated if the players come up with an idea that either the module you didn't consider, because again, that's, that's, that's part of it. This is not, uh, at least I'm trying to continue to press it. Here's the world, you know, the, the whole point is, here's the world, let the players try to figure out. It's part of, they're part of the game. That's what makes the adventure or the game interesting is what they're gonna do based on the scenarios that you provide. Not, here's my trap and there's the only way, uh, and that's where I think it gets challenging is you look at some of these modules, especially high team, like, this can only be defeated by this spell or this spell or this spell. Well, what happens if they came up with something creative? You know, are you just going to say, nope, because the module said you can only be defeated by a wish or whatever. What, you know, what happens if they put the object in a bag of holding and then broke the bag of holding? Would that disappear or would it just pop up again? I think those are, um, you should reward, like you said, reward creative mm -hmm. things. And I think as long as you're malleable to that, uh, the higher tiers can be a, a lot of fun as well, especially if you want to move away from room fight, room fight, room fight, room mm -hmm. fight. You can get to more role-playing and this and that. So any other final thoughts on that, Dan? No, no final thoughts. All right. So let's talk about our suggestion of the week. Suggestion. Dan, you had a suggestion based on what we were talking about. Yeah, and I'm, I was happy to grab that Dragon magazine because like I was... Grab, it's like a grab bag. I was struggling. It is like a grab bag. Yeah, and I just happened to pull Dragon magazine number 78 out and found that Citadel by the Sea was on there, in there. So I'm going to recommend the Citadel by the Sea adventure. I think Citadel by the Sea is considered one of the best Dragon magazine adventures. And when I from, did, that, from the era. I can't see From that, that era, right. When, when I did uh, research on the best adventures from Dragon Magazine from that era, Citadel by the Sea came up as a fan favorite oftentimes. So uh, what's nice about Citadel by the Sea is that it is, uh, it's, it's short. So you, I think you could probably, you could run it in a single session. I mean, you need to keep things moving along. Yeah, I think that's, that's it's probably two sessions because, the you know, I think getting to the Citadel and there's some challenges in the top level that players, because they're low level, May take them a while to get through that. It's, right. it's pretty deadly. The first part. It's a. It is a deadly adventure. So that's the one thing is that it it works well as a one off because that way, if there's death, I think we lost at least one. You guys lost oh, at yeah. least one character in there. Uh, I can't remember if it was you, more. I think one of them died from the spider. Wasn't there a spider? Oh yes, Lane died from the spider. Oh, and then somebody um uh, a trap. Remember there was a fear or something. They went yeah. running up the stairs yeah. in the trap and they died. Is that there mangled. the ballista? Okay, yeah. So that's right. So yeah, no, it's pretty deadly, but uh, it's uh, it's it's an entertaining adventure. It's got a clear objective. If the DM runs it, I think the way they're supposed to run it, there is time constraints. Yep. 
So it, it's fun as a one-off because the party really shouldn't be exiting mm -hmm. the, the dungeon and going back in. It sort of defeats the purpose with the time constraints. But so, yeah, if you're looking for a one-off, uh, that low level, uh, not too complicated, a lot of fun, I recommend Citadel by the Sea from Dragon Magazine number 78. Yeah, I, I guess the only other part I would add to that, and I hope they fail their save on that because um, it's a great module. Uh, both as a player and DM. It would probably be not my, f if this was the first time you were playing first edition Dungeons and Dragons and you hadn't played D&D before, I would not make that the first module because with the time constraints and, and some of it, it's, it requires players who've played together because it's a harder module. Yeah. And if you don't know what you're doing, death can come pretty quick. Whereas, you know, that's why right, wrong, or different, keep along Borderlands, Village of Hamlet, some of these other ones, you can ease into it. You can get a couple encounters and start figuring out the game. If you're trying to figure out the game on this, it could be problematic. Oh, I agree. And it's level one to three, so it probably right. isn't good as a first adventure. I well, like him. Okay. It's the first adventure for a party who's starting a new campaign who's played before is, is kind of is, is what I think it would be good for. Sure, sure, right. Or 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 you can do it of course as right. You can or do one off. A one off with the appearance players maybe a little bit higher than first level as well. If you're restarting a campaign, this this would be a great you're starting a new campaign and people have played before or they're experienced players, that would be a great module to do, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I agree. If you're gonna run it the way it was meant, which is the time constraints and there's, there's things that, it, once you get into the dungeon, if you don't keep making progress, your party is eventually going to have, may just die because there's uh, environmental effects. I think it would be fun to also locate some of the people who wrote some of the adventures. Sid Fisher. So where's Sid Fisher? Sid Fisher, author of Citadel by the Sea. It'd be great. I hope he's with us, though. Is Sid, that's terrible. If Sid Fisher, Sid Fisher should call... Uh, the Grog Line. That's right. One of these days, to, and, and we, we can would, interview Sid about. I would, I would like that, Mr. Fisher, about Citadel. Maybe he knows. He maybe knows Mr. McGuire as well. They could. They maybe they're in the same group. They maybe in the San Diego area. That's right. That that maybe that, maybe he ran that as part of that uh, as part <laughs> of that group. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's when he sold it. That's right. I'm great. out of here. Yeah. This what what seventy eight was what eighty one. A lot of traps in this. What, what year was this? It's in the same time. Yeah, December. Oh, October '83. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. This is '81. Oh, yeah. Thirty-six years. Yeah. Assuming he's in his mid twenties or early thirties. Yeah, he's he's mm -hmm. probably still with us, unless he had a terrible accident or something. So, so uh, what would be uh, what would be your recommendation? So my suggestion, actually, and this is something I'm going to announce here, is that I know you've started up a one shot. So the uh, the, the the rumors of your demise were greatly exaggerated. Um, so preparing for Grog Talk. Uh, I am about to publish a meetup to play Paranoia. And uh, first edition Paranoia, so I read the rules again. Uh, and there's multiple iterations of Paranoia, but um, you know, if you're having DM burnout or your players want to try something, something and not have, you know, the, the great thing about a one shot is you don't have this uh, attachment to the character and you can be a little more bold, you can do things. Well, Paranoia takes that to the 10th to the level, uh, to the extreme. And so first edition Paranoia, people think second edition Paranoia, either one, first or second, which still have that dark humor, kind of zany. You don't have to make it super zany, but it's this dystopian world where a computer has taken over and your poor 
uh, basically adventurers in, in the service of the computer trying to make sense of the world, and there's really no there's really no good way to do that. It's a lot of fun. Have you played Paranoia? Oh, yeah, we played, yeah. Okay. You get a certain amount of lives. If you I get a certain correctly. amount of lives. Yeah, death will happen, and the whole yeah. point is to... Uh, enjoy the, the, the farceness of it. So uh, I, I read the rules recently. Uh, so I printed, printed some of the material. I got some of the material. And so I'll be setting up a one-shot very soon to do that. So the computer will be looking for this, his, 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 you know, from a gender perspective. Uh, it's six best troubleshooters to help with an adventure okay. that I'm going to write for, ah. too. That's great. Because of the thing you talked about. It's, you know, you don't need some of these adventures. These are so long. You won't be able to finish. I want to do a one-shot. Right. I wanted to do it, get everyone set up, play it, done. Uh, with the understanding of probably doing a version of that at, at Grog Talk. Um, right. At GrogCon, excuse me. All right. So many Grogs. There are a lot of Grog. I'm grogged out. So uh, it, it's, it's a nice change of pace. And it's, again, it's part of the history of this. And, you know, as we... We, you know, I see us doing a few more sessions on AD&D, but you know, we want to talk about the other games mm -hmm. that we intend to run at uh, GrogCon. So I want to talk about Paranoia. So, you know, obviously that's an area um, that I've spent some time in. You're looking at Call of Cthulhu. So that would be really great because I know very little about Call of Cthulhu. So that would be one that you kind of mm -hmm. run and um, from an from a episode. And I would do Paranoia, and we'd have to pick a couple other games. Because we want to expose these yeah. when, we, when we promote that. I'm thinking of Thieves Guild, too, because I own Thieves Guild, which was, I know uh, you're not that familiar with it. Yeah, there was a, uh, it was a game back in the day, which obviously all thieves. Uh, I think that would be cool. Yeah, yeah. So. All right, well, very good. Um, so those are our suggestions. And um, so, yeah, so we're, we're looking forward to um, GrogCon at Crucible, which is still in the October time frame. Um, we're hoping to post some games. We were talking before we started about, uh, so that's why we're, you know, please comment or subscribe. If you're listening to us, we really would appreciate you putting feedback on iTunes or Google play. Uh, if you're listening on YouTube, uh, like, and subscribe, you know, we, we, we really enjoy doing this and it's, it's not really for a purpose of seeing numbers, but it certainly helps knowing that people are exactly, <laughs> Uh, but we, you know, we we are seeing slow growth, you know, and and at this, at it's like this an investment portfolio, at this pace, you know, I would say by the year twenty forty seven, we would have a thousand subscribers. Well, that's all, yeah, yeah. Oh, and do you have do you have some percentile dice there handy? Yes, I'd like to roll to see how this podcast was, like how good it was. Oh, you're just gonna yeah, I like to see. It? No, the dice don't lie. Right. And just okay. to get a sense before we sign off. Here you go. Thank what, you very what, much. What is what's the table? What? Well, high. Well, so high is. Good. Oh, it's like a reaction. It's just a percent. Yeah, oh. it's just right. Okay, so yeah. a, a hundred mean this is an artist. How good right. of a podcast. And this is you rolling. Exactly. Okay. But it's not my dice. True. It's not my terrible white uh, dice. Look 96. at that. This is the awesome podcast. This is awesome. Podcast. Amazing. Wow. People are so fortunate to be listening yes, to this. Yes. I have to check who has. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think there's there's. Uh, you know, so that, that to me is uh, helping us out. That would be, again, we don't do this for um, fame or notoriety. It was just, you know, we really enjoy the, uh, both old school gaming and uh, would love to hear what people and how we can help people play. I mean, that's, you know, again, thanks to Dan and Ed, Ed's efforts, we have a number of people playing who wouldn't be playing right now. So we want to encourage folks to do that too. So uh, I'm James. I'm Dan. Uh, signing off, and we'll see you next week on Grog Talk. 
This is Bill, a pushy, a big production. All rights reserved.